0: Welcome this morning. Thank you for allowing me to share with you. Really looking forward to this. There's many things I enjoy about getting old because I'm getting up there in years at the moment. One of the things I appreciate is maturity. As we get older, we become more mature. I also enjoy wisdom. Wisdom is kicking in in my life. The hair is changing. One of the other things I find with age comes patience we become more patient as we grow. What I don't appreciate is having to wear glasses. The eyesight has changed. And I fought it, honestly fought it for so long. Didn't want to accept the fact that I couldn't see as well as I used to. But one day I just had to realize everything was just getting blurry. It was getting so bad. It's gotten to the point that when Donna pulls out her phone to show me a photo of something, I've got to say, hang on, (laughs) let me go to the other side of the room, pick up the glasses, because I can't see a thing. All it is is colours and blurred vision. And I've got to go across and I've got to grab these things and put them on to be able to see what she's actually trying to show me. I preach from an iPad for the simple fact that I can pump this font up to 22. (laughs) I don't need them when I preach. 22. I prepared yesterday and wrote this up and I'm thinking, hmm, I might have to go to 24 soon. (laughs) But the big font makes it easy. See, the the truth is though, if I really wanna see the fine print, if I really wanna see the important things, if I really want to see the hidden things, I've got to put my glasses on. I can't always just pump up the font. I can't always just go to a different style of doing something. I've actually got to use what God has given me, my eyes, but sometimes I need assistance to see correctly. And that's what I love about the Bible. The Bible helps us to see correctly. The Bible helps us to see what's important. The Bible helps us to see what is hidden. The Bible helps us to really focus on what it is that God wants us to focus on. See, the Bible helps us to remove the blurriness that our upbringing can sometimes bring into our lives. To remove the blurriness of education. Education is a great thing. I work in the area of education. But education sometimes can create blur in our understanding. Our life experiences, peer pressure, social media, and misunderstanding can become blurred. But when the Word of God is put into that context, when God's Word is used to look at these things, suddenly it's like putting those glasses on and that blurred vision just disappears. And instantaneously, I'm able to see the important things. I'm able to see the things that God wants me to focus on. See, over the last few weeks of The Standard, we've looked at the spiritual life of the believer through Matthew 6. We've looked at, three weeks ago, our giving to those in need. We looked at our prayer life. Last week, we looked at denying ourselves. i got to say, that was brilliant. The more I've thought about that preach over the last week the more it's impacted me how a simple message can be so powerful. And that was one of the best preachers I've heard on fasting that I've ever heard. Really enjoyed it. But we've been focusing on these areas that Jesus is speaking about in this Sermon on the Mount. And each case, it's a personal thing. They're things that he says to do in the private life. Not to flaunt to the world not to be showy with but to do in that quiet place of connection with him not to seek the attention of the world while doing it but the next few verses change shift a little bit over the next couple of verses he actually focuses on the world the influence of the world and how it affects us as believers see there's a few things he'll highlight over these next few few verses Number one, the love of worldly things or treasures. And another area is the anxieties that can come around our life with the things of this world that come into affecting us. And Lois is brilliant at that. Please come along next week. She is one of the best preachers on this subject. She will bring such a mix of what happens in our lives, in the personal makeup of who we are, but also through the theological perspective perspective of what God is going to do through their lives. See we'll see his attitude towards through these next few verses, the temporal and the eternal, between the worldly things and the things of the Father. And he focuses on those through these scriptures. So this morning we're looking at Matthew six, nineteen through to twenty-four. And it says Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy or well, if the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No I can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So you want to realise something. We are made up of three parts spirit, soul, and body. And in God's economy, that's the way it's meant to be. Spirit first, soul second, then the body. But sin has a way of mixing up this balance. It has a way of flipping it on his head so that the body becomes the most important thing. The soul and the spirit falls away. Sin is a way of upsetting that intended balance. See, when we lose focus on what's truly important in God's economy, this balance of focus is turned upside down. Instead of focusing on heavenly things, the eternal things, we focus on the earthly things, the temporal things, the short things. And that feeds the body more than the spirit. That's why Jesus in this scripture starts to talk about treasures. Because we can have a temporal treasure an earthly treasure, a short-term treasure, or we can have an eternal treasure. Eternal treasures. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. See, a treasure is something that you value. It's something of worth to you. It's something that you want to keep. It's something that you want to hold on to. We've got to realize what treasure is. See, most commonly we think of treasure as being something of a financial matter. that has a price to it, but it's not always the case. See, sometimes a treasure can be a job. It can be a status. A treasure can be a relationship. It may even be a hobby. Because they're things that we want to hold on, we want to grasp, we want to keep them close. They become important to us. But in this scripture, let us notice the emphasis. See, Jesus isn't concerned about the treasure. He's concerned about what it is and where we store it. He's concerned about the emphasis it has in our lives, the hold that it has on us. He's not concerned about the treasure in itself. He's not concerned about whether it's financial or anything. He's just concerned about what emphasis. Does it have in our thinking, in our actions, in the way we respond to things? See, let me say something controversial right now. Money's not a bad thing. I work in finance. I work with money every day, some big dollar values. And money is not a bad thing. But Paul says in Timothy six one six that the love of money... That is the root of all kinds of evil. Not the money itself, but the passion for it. That hunger for it, that drive for it. That desire to have more and more and more. And constantly looking from that perspective and saying, how can I get more? It's not the money, it's the attitude of the heart that Jesus is speaking about here. He's saying, what is your treasure and where are you placing it? And then Paul goes on to say some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Hungry for it. See, money's a commodity. It's just something we trade in. It's a tool that we use for transactions. I need something. You have something. I will give you this for that. It's just a commodity. It's an exchange. Can I tell you something? God understands transactional living. God understands exchange. We are all here today because of an exchange he made. Of something that he saw that needed to be done and he had the Ability to do something about it. And he exchanged his son, Jesus Christ, so that each and every one of us could be here in his presence. Jesus exchanged his life so that we may live. God is a God of exchange. He's a God of transactions. He's also a God of treasure. Why did he make that exchange? Because he realized how precious we are. He realized how important we are. He realized how much he wanted to spend the rest of eternity with each and every one of us. He realized that he didn't want to lose us. He didn't want to see us go down the path of a temporary life, but come into our life of eternity. And to do that, he made an exchange. And the exchange was made for the treasure. That treasure of a relationship between us and him. See, he's not a concern about earthly treasures. He's concerned about the priority it holds in our lives, where it sits. See, that's why Jesus encouraged us in this passage to focus on what we see as treasure and what we place in our hearts and what we focus on. See, money is temporary. We never have the assurance it's always going to be there. As he said in the scripture, it can be stolen. It can be eaten away. So many things can rattle that part of our lives. Here's a revelation, worldly treasures never last. They never last. Think about the most precious thing you had as a kid. Just the most precious thing. Mine was a BMX bike, a Kuwahara. Paul over there will understand, he's a collector of BMX bikes. I saw this bike, it was shiny, it was silver, it had three-spoke black rims, it was beautiful. I couldn't afford it. So for the next year, I mowed lawns, saving, saving, saving for this bike. And each Saturday I'd go out and mow these lawns and on the way home I'd stop at this bike shop and I'd just look at it, you know, just drool just imagine, oh, what if I had this? What I could do with this? I'm going to be so cool. Took a year. I finally bought it. You wouldn't believe the joy. Every second day I washed it. Come home from school, you wash it. Polished it on a Saturday. Used to sit at the end of my bed so I could wake up and look at it. (laughs) My Kuahara. I worked for that I loved that it was such an important part of my life it took me a year to buy it it took me a year to love it and then one day it started to fade the polish wore off it to be honest with you as the scripture says rust overtook and I can honestly say to you today I've got no idea where that bike is <laughs> I have no idea what happened to it I don't know where it went Got no idea it was a treasure i saved i worked did everything i possibly could to get that treasure and as the scripture says there it rusted and withered away see our worldly treasures they decay they just decay and some things never change my wife donna will tell you how often i've come to her as an adult and I'll show you this photo. She doesn't have to put the glasses on. She can just look at it. Baby, I need this motorbike. This one is so, it is the one. This is going to be the last one. I promise this will be the last one I buy. Six later. This will be the last one. I will have this one until I'm retired. So Important. I've had six like that, where it's going to be my last, it's going to be the best. See, often what we once see as our greatest treasure tends to no longer satisfy us in this natural world. We just don't, we're not satisfied by it. Fashions change, technologies change. Who remembers their first mobile? It was brilliant. You loved that thing. Oh, the amazing things it could do. You would show everybody and just, oh, until the next version came out and it's like, what's that piece of rubbish? <laughs> I need to have what that guy's got. It can do so much more. Technology, lifestyles evolve. We become older. We look at things and say, that really, <laughs> that's a young man's game. I need a, something with a bit more comfort. That treasure just, oh, it's no longer as good. Progress can quickly render earthly treasures worthless. So that's why Jesus encourages us to lay up treasures in heaven. Lay up treasures in heaven. Because he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's where your heart lives, where your treasure is. And where better for that to be than in the presence of God, than in the kingdom of God, to no longer be laying things up in this world that rust and moth and thieves still, the things that can just easily be taken away, but lay them up in the security of God. And it requires no effort on our behalf to look after it. He does. It's his treasure when we give it to him. But how, how do we do it? Anytime we give to the needs of others, we're laying up treasures in heaven we are making a deposit. Any sacrifice we make in this life is rewarded in the life to come. See, Paul tells us in Corinthians that when we build well on the foundation of Jesus, we will have a reward on the day that the Lord returns. See, heavenly treasure is something we do on earth that has an eternal effect. When we grow in God, when we lay up the treasures there, see, every time we teach the scriptures to our children, we're laying out treasures in heaven. When we share the gospel with someone else, we're laying up treasures in heaven. When our faith is challenged and we grow, we're laying out treasures in heaven. When I give, when I pray, when I worship, that's when my storehouse of treasure is greatly increasing in the eternal under God's care. And when we do that, the strange thing is, the temporal treasures seem to slip away. They don't become as important anymore. They don't become the focus. And we've got to realise that where our treasure is, there's our heart. And when your heart is right, your path is clear. But when your heart is wrong, you walk in darkness. When we have our treasures in God, we know what it is we're meant to do every day. We don't get persuaded or distracted as easily with the shiny things of this world, with the new technologies, the more comforts, the things that are saying, hey, look at me. We just say, hang on, no, my focus is there. That's where I'm going, that's where I live. See, with this thought of darkness, Jesus goes on to say, the eye is a lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? See, our eyes allow us to see where we're meant to go. Our eyes allow us to see what we should be doing. Make sure your focus is in the right place. Looking up, not across. Looking to Him not to the things looking to the eternal not the temporal focusing on what he's calling us to grab hold of work with and enhance everybody's life around us that's true treasure that's that's amazing treasure See the, the eyes show us where to go if we are setting our gaze on possessions and money We'll go after possessions and money if we are setting our focus on the things of god we go after the things of god it sounds simple it's because it is when we focus on the thing we really want we walk towards that thing and if the thing we really want is god then we move towards him we walk towards him see the eye helps determine what happens in our heart what we're looking at feeds our heart. What we're visualizing feeds our heart. If I'm thinking about my motorbike every day, I wake up like I used to as a child, and it's at the end of my bed, I'm looking at my Kuwahara. Then that feeds that mindset. But if I wake up each morning and the first thing I do is say, God, help me today. Help me to be the man that you've called me to be. Show me who I should speak to. Lord, go before me in everything I do, then it's so easy to follow after him, to not be persuaded or distracted by the treasures of this world. Can I ask you this? How many of you have tried to do two things at once? Now I'm talking to the men here. (laughs) Ladies can do it. (laughs) It's a hard thing to do. It's one of those things where we know the reason why you're not supposed to be on a mobile phone while you're driving because you can't concentrate on both some no no you can't (laughs) you can't if i walk with i will not walk through the shopping centers looking at my phone because i'm going to walk into someone it's going to happen i'm clumsy i could fall off if i was concentrating on anything else i would just fall off this platform i've got to concentrate on what i'm doing We can't do two things at once. And that's why Jesus goes on in the next part of this verse to say, no one can serve two masters at once. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. We cannot serve God and money. We have one focus. One focus. And that's him. See, the Greek and the Roman culture of the day, they understood slavery. It was part of their lives. They understood that they served a master. When we become born again, we choose to make Jesus our master. We choose to indenture our lives to him, to say, God, I will serve you. I will focus upon you. And that's why Jesus is saying here, we can't have God and all the treasures of the world. They are there as instruments for us to use to build his kingdom. We need money to build God's kingdom. We need money to transact in life. But if God is our focus, then it doesn't grab a hold of us and draw us away from him. It allows us to say, God, what can I do for this to build your kingdom? We can't have two. See, I love what Paul says in Romans 6.20. But now that you have set, been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. When we get set free from treasures of this world and we focus on the treasures of heaven, then our gift is sanctification and the outcome is eternal life. Jesus' challenge to us today is to make God our master, keeping our fo- our eyes filled with His light, and storing our treasure with Him. See, can I say this? We can't be a good husband to two wives. It's impossible. No. <laughs> If we are honest with ourselves, guys, we can't have two favorite football teams. Realistically, because when they both come together, there's gonna be one you're gonna choose. You can't have two favorite movies. There's always gonna be one that tops it. There's always a favorite. And we can't be devoted to two masters. We serve God, not Mammon. We build treasure in heaven, not on earth. We live for the eternal, not for the temporal. Everything, as Justin said this morning, is about Jesus. Everything we think, everything we do, everything we build, everything we work for, is about Him. And when that becomes the focus, Life becomes so good. It becomes so good. Fulfilled, happy, challenged, motivated, excited, fearful. But it becomes a great life. See, we must be devoted to God and his good gifts. We must store up treasure in heaven. We must have our eyes set on the things of light and our hearts will be forever with that treasure. That's the way we live when we live with Jesus. See, I just want to conclude with this thought. I think Jesus sums it up perfectly when he says this in Mark 8.36. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world but lose his soul? There's no profit in that. We can have all the toys. We can have all the treasures. We can have six motorbikes in our garage. But if we don't have a treasure of a relationship with Jesus, if we don't have that treasure of eternity with God, if we don't store up constantly actions that we're performing to build his kingdom, then it means nothing to have all of that because rust and moth and thieves will take that away from us. Time will just diminish those treasures. But God is the same yesterday, today and forever. The love you have for him today will be the same love you have for him tomorrow. The shine that you see when you look upon him today will be the same shine when you look upon him tomorrow. It will not diminish. It will not fade. It will not wash away. It will only get better. Better. better greater. It will develop. Can I just say this? Store up your treasure in heaven. Store it up there. He looks after it. It's safe. And it's much better. Thank you, guys. I'll hand back to you, Justin.